All right, it's the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, Jake Tapper. You know that guy who's on your TV like 29 hours a day? Uh, CNN's Jake Tapper. He is the chief Washington correspondent and anchor of the CNN weekday news show, The Lead, with Jake Tapper. And you also might have noticed, Jake's looking pretty fit these days, right? And you're like, wow, how does he stay so slim? Talk to Jake about that, grilling, when he does indulge, what kind of cocktails he makes for himself, uh, the fact that we actually knew each other like 20-some years ago in D.C. We used to play basketball together. So we got Jake up first, and then Carla Music and Andy Barragani from the B.A. Test Kitchen uh, talk about a salmon burger that's actually delicious. Before we get to that, though, one more exciting note. Uh, this Friday, we are launching a three-part special podcast series hosted by Carla Music and senior food editor Claire Saffitz, and it is pegged to the launch of our new instructional cooking website called Basically at eatbasically.com, and we are answering questions from you, the listener, about what you're struggling with, what you want to cook, entertaining advice, all that sort of stuff. So Carla and Claire get on the phone with you, and uh, we answer your questions. So check it out, launching this Friday, and that's eatbasically.com. All right, here is me and Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper, welcome to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. Am I allowed to call you Rappo? I knew you was Rappo. <laughs> we used to play basketball 100 years ago. Back in the day. So, all right, so we, we actually had a thing in the office. Uh, I said, I had, I said, oh, yeah, I used to play basketball with Jake back in D.C., and then Emma, my assistant, and Meryl, one of the editors, like, I don't know if that's true because Jake didn't grow up in Washington, D.C., and maybe Adam is misremembering, and maybe he's making up fake news, and he didn't really play basketball with Jake. No, it is true. It's when we were early 20s. We were in our early 20s, and this is like 90... I would say 93. 93, 94, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely true, and you were good at basketball. (laughs) Thank you! Big... Star of David tattoo on your arm. Oh, my God. Which I would only know if I had seen you playing in uh, tank tops, which or, was what people wore those back in the day. Or or it could have been shirts and skins back when we were young enough to do that. No one wants to see us play shirts and skins now. <laughs> no, no, for men pushing 50, please, everybody be shirts. So we used to play at Murray High School, which is there in Upper Northwest D.C., and my parents at the time lived just behind Murray on 29th Street in Woodley Park. And I literally, is one of those total Greg Brady type things, I literally lived in the garage, which had been converted into a bedroom. I was 23 years old, working, I was either working at Red Sage, do you remember that restaurant in downtown? Oh, yeah. so good, I love that restaurant. And that was Mark Miller's sort of nouveau Southwestern cuisine, if you will, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and, and it's gone now, and it's one of those restaurants that disappeared from D.C., and I used to eat there at least once a week, and I never understood what happened, where did it go, why can't I have that food anymore? And they had, um, in addition to the restaurant, they had like a little takeout place also that was really good. Yeah, and they had a good bar. That was kind of the era, and like we'll just jump into D.C. restaurants, also in that sort of early 90s, that was kind of when, when did Georgia Browns open? I think around that time. Yeah. But you know, the, you remember the place, the place I loved the most of D.C. restaurants was this place um, on on Connecticut and Adams, no, no, on 18th and Adams Morgan called Cities. Oh my God. And every <laughs> six months to a year, they would become a different city, uh, both in decor and in cuisine. And it was, you know, it would go from, I'm making up the cities now, but it would go from Barcelona to Rome to Paris, just like over the course of like two or three years. And it was uh, incredible. And there was like an upstairs kind of indoor, outdoor, yeah. wasn't Yeah. And I, I remember all the cities, though. 
they were all cities that were basically some ver- version of Miami. They were, <laughs> they were very kind of Euro and clubby. You know? Yes, that is true. That is true. Well, they were going to like all of a sudden become, you know, uh, you know, Prague. Well, I guess no. Prague was hip then. But I mean, they were going to like all of a sudden be a Moscow. Is my only point. No, they not- be like all of a sudden bleak. They were going to be fun and, and Mediterranean vaguely. It was because um, there's it's interesting about DC, and you've lived in DC now for twenty some years, I guess. Yeah, since ninety, since ninety three, with one year in New York in there. But yeah, I think of Washington DC as. The locals. Then there's the federal part of D.C. where the congressman and everyone kind of comes in every two to four to six years. And then there's that Euro sort of diplomat part of D.C. that goes to like Cafe Milano and used to go to cities and stuff, uh, which is very at odds with the guys with khakis and like striped ties. Oh, no. And it's a big part of the city because um, there's a huge international component um, of the diplomatic corps, of people working at the World Bank, of their children. Uh, A lot of international students go to uh, schools in D.C., Georgetown, American. Yeah, uh, American. Um, So, yeah, there's this huge international component that – that is not you wouldn't necessarily know unless uh, a you were like you know an, an elite member of society here and you go to those parties you go to Cafe Milano or b um, you know you, you have you go to school with them yeah I f- I, and I feel like Jose Andres knows every single one of them he does he absolutely does. <laughs> do you I'm gonna say I'm gonna bet that you've met Jose at some point of course how could I not I have his email so next so I, I can go to his restaurant with my wife uh, sometime I haven't done it yet but uh, I'm told. Uh, I'm told that I should do it, so I'm, I'm just waiting for the right time. Yeah, no, he's 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 a, he's an outsized character, and yeah, and and he and he makes good food. Um, all right, so I speaking of your wife, and I'm going to reference my wife here also. Um, I feel like I have a lot of Jake Tapper in my life these days. Like I've got you on my Twitter feed. I go to the airport, and there you are. Like at the gate, you know, and it's playing CNN, and I come home at night, and there you are. Um, do how do you, are you in the office like 19 hours a day, or how, how does this work? No, I'm. I, it's more um, that I do it uh, six days a week than I do it for many hours a day. I think that's what it is. I tweet all the time. Okay, all right. Let's talk Twitter because I'm on my phone a lot, and my wife does not like it when I'm on my phone at the dinner table. What are, what are the What are the rules in the Tapper household? Phone phone away at dinner. Phone away at dinner, and I am trying to um, spend less time with the phone when the kids are awake. Uh, so that's uh, that's definitely something that I'm trying to do. And also, by the way, I mean, I see my, um, my illness, my iPhone illness um, is spreading. Because, you know, I, my kids are seven and nine, and they are really into iPads and computers and that sort of thing. And it's hard to make the argument, the moral argument, you should spend less time with screens if I'm spending all my time with my iPhone. So I do come home and try to put it aside. Um, and I need to get better about that. That's a, that's a perennial New Year's resolution. How old are your kids? I I have one boy and he's nine and I have the same problem. Like, you know, I'm constantly, I find myself reaching for my phone almost reflexively without even knowing that I'm reaching for it. I just, I just kind of need to hold it and check something. And then I get mad at him for spending too much time on his iPad or my iPad, but he calls it his iPad. Right, exactly. But then I'm like, well, where do I get off cri- criticizing him? But if you're out to dinner with the kids, and in New York, kids get dragged to a lot of adult restaurants just by dint of New Yorkers being New Yorkers, do you at some point say, okay, you can play the game because you're sitting here listening to your mom and me talk about the mortgage or whatever, and obviously you don't want to talk about that? I think there's a certain amount of that that we do that is a little bit uh, of a crutch um, 
so um, we try not to do it, but we probably do it more than we should just if they're getting bored and, yeah. you know, they, you know, kids in general, like you try to get them to talk about their day, but, you know, they don't have that much to say necessarily. No, they make it sound, they always are like, Marlon, how was school today? It was fine. What'd you do? Nothing. I'm like, really? You were there for six hours and you did nothing. And he's like, yeah, it was boring. I'm like, okay. DC. All right. So it's fascinating. In, in last year, we named Bon Appetit, that is uh, Washington, DC, as Restaurant City of the Year. And I remember Andrew Knowlton, our restaurant uh, critic and deputy editor, walked into my office and I was like, hey, Rappo, just so you know, we're going to name DC Restaurant City of the Year. And my response was something along the lines of, you've got to be effing kidding me. Because right. growing up in D.C. in the 80s and, you know, I was like, there was like, you know, Blackie's House of Beef and the Prime Rib. And then maybe you had like some Roberto Donna restaurants, but a, a restaurant town. I was like, that's nuts. But but it's it's happened a lot in the last five, 10 years, correct? It is. And the truth of the matter is um, that D.C. is one of the wealthiest cities uh, in the country uh, in terms of the zip codes in D.C. and around D.C., which is it's, it's odd because obviously it also has some of the poorest sections of the country as well in southeast Washington. Um, but uh, there are some very, very wealthy zip codes in this area. Um, and uh, that has meant an explosion of great restaurants uh, in D.C. And uh, they're great. And look, I come from um, I come from Philadelphia, which is also one of these towns that is a great restaurant town. Although, don't tell that to people from Los Angeles or New York because <laughs> they won't believe it. But it is true that there are great restaurants in Philadelphia as well. Well, Philly's interesting, like D.C. Because in the '90s and such, Philly had a couple. Of, they had some standout restaurants like Straight Bass and Lebec Fen and stuff. Right. Um, as did DC, and you had like Jean Louis Paladin and Michelle Richard and stuff. Um, but I think what's interesting about both those cities now is that there is a much more diverse breadth of restaurants in various neighborhoods of various price points. Um, and I think DC is just like, wow, I, I go there and like I, I want to go to the, a lot of these places. So let me let me ask you some questions. I, I, don't, I hate to put you on the spot here. Sure. Um, have you been to Rose's Luxury yet? I have not. I've heard about it. Uh, oh no, my wife went there on Saturday. Um, but I stayed home and took care of the kids, and I have to get up early Sunday morning for the show anyway. But she she went there, and she loved it. It's, can I tell you a good uh, D.C. restaurant story yeah. you'll enjoy? Sure. So Comey is a real foodie restaurant. I don't know if you've it's, eaten there. We, and we named its sister restaurant, Little Sarah, one of our top ten restaurants a few years ago. So a few years ago, um, Seth Meyers and his then fiance now wife, Alexi, came down to D.C. to do the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and – um, Jennifer, my wife, and I took them out to dinner because we know them. And um, so we went there, and it has, it's a tasting menu. I mean, it's just like they bring you what they bring you. And I, my palate is – I wouldn't say I have the most sophisticated palate in the world. Um, uh, you know, they brought urchin at one point, and to me it just tasted like a spoonful of, of, of seawater. But whatever. I mean, you know, I was game. So – we're, I had, we had asked uh, Seth and Alexi if uh, we'd ask Seth, you know, do you have any um, food issues at all? Is there anything you don't eat? And he said no. Um, so anyway, we're sitting there and we're talking about um, this his recent appearance on I want to say Letterman, in which he showed um, a picture of Alexi's pet goat, uh, which lived uh, in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, the, the goat raisin is sadly no more. But um, was alive at the time, and we were talking about raising her goat, and then of course, lo and behold, what do they bring us? <laughs> the 
goat. And it was horrified. And uh, obviously, Alexi was horrified. Horrified. And I said, I asked if you had any eating requirements, dietary restrictions. And Seth goes, I didn't know that they were going to be serving up pets. Um, um, but then he ate some of the, some of the goat, which was it not. Was, it was really good. Over well, it, not, it was it was pretty good. Did not go over well with Alexi. So that was that's my uh, that's my Comey story. But um, a great uh, a great restaurant, and I don't know that they're going to serve goat if you go there. But people listening should should go because it's it's uh, it's fun. So before you became a big shot on CNN, um, you were a reporter. Uh, working for City Paper and other publications. How often were you on the campaign trail back in those days? Were you on the road with the, the candidates? I was on the road a lot. In my first, my first race was ninety nine two thousand, and I was on the I, I was on the road a lot uh, in that race. Um, in '04, I was at AB. That was so ninety nine two thousand. I was at Salon, and I basically was their campaign reporter. And so I would just jump around from race to race to candidate to candidate, and that was a lot of fun. Were you like eating at Arby's and stuff? Like, what was what was the diet for the for the sort of a pool reporter back in those days? Junk. Just sheer junk. And like, I, you know, so I was um, 30, 31. Uh, so I was still relatively unconcerned about my diet. Uh, and so I would drink a lot uh, and, uh, you know, at night with campaign sources and such. And then I love that you justify it as work as quote unquote campaign sources. Well, just in case the IRS listens <laughs> yeah. to this podcast, because I, 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 I expensed a lot of those meals. But, but then also, you know, whatever they served up in the press file uh, for the campaigns. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of sandwiches and it's a lot of pizza. It's a lot of pasta. But wait, what is the camp? So is that like if you're a sports reporter and there's like the pregame like what do you mean the campaign i don't i don't know how the campaign well, works if you're if you're with a big enough campaign mm-hmm. and uh let's say you're traveling around with uh then so, governor bush uh, on the bush campaign plane and you pull in and then there's a stop and then you file and the you know the the governor gives a speech there is a room set up with you know then dial up internet connection <laughs> And uh, uh, and what else? And and food that you're all paying for. And sometimes it would be really good local food, uh, delicious. And sometimes it would just be like standard uh, pasta, pizza, whatever. Um, and so that's so that was the kind of diet. And before I was more, I didn't really travel all that much. I was more of the fact checker for mm-hmm. Peter Jennings. At that point, I was at ABC. Oh wait, I traveled a lot um, with Obama and with uh, Giuliani and Huckabee, oh, and then. Um, Last uh, 2012, I traveled a lot. I was White House correspondent for ABC, and I would travel with Obama everywhere. Uh, and that was a lot of junky food, too. And then 16, I didn't travel that much. Uh, I guess I traveled for primary nights and such, but yeah. Um, my friend Scott Greenberger, who I think you know a bit, and you know his brother Peter Greenberger. Yeah, Peter's a good friend. And Scott used to work at the Austin American Statesman in Austin, Texas, and covered Governor Bush. And did you get to sort of know the— Soon to be president, while you were covering him at all, I don't think I had such a great relationship. <laughs> I, I, well, the truth is, I didn't have really a great relationship with any of these people. Um, I, I had a good one with McCain in 2000 when he was running this like underdog uh, campaign, and 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 I was definitely, uh, I definitely had a good relationship with him uh, then, but. Um, I don't think that George W. Bush liked me too much. I don't think Barack Obama liked me too much. I, I don't think uh, any of the candidates uh, in uh, the last race uh, liked me too much, either of the major party candidates, at least. And um, that's okay. But what no, I didn't, really, I didn't really get to see the side of W that everyone finds so charming or the side of 
Obama that has so many progressives and members of the media so enamored. I, that 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 was uh, I was immune to their charms and data mine. How do you? All right, let me ask a question. You, it's it, it's interesting how often you've sort of garnered a I think a well deserved reputation for asking politicians tough but fair questions. Republican, Democrat. Um, at what point? Does that concern you that, oh, if I keep on asking tough questions, they'll stop coming on the show? Well, it happens. But, you know, it's 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 uh, it's what happens. And and sometimes uh, it, you know, the only thing to do is just keep it being tough, but fair and recognize that um, sometimes people are not going to appreciate that. And and uh, and hopefully that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the viewers uh, appreciate what you're doing, even if the people in power that you're challenging do not always. All right. I'm going to segue to some nonsensical food questions, because this seems like a natural segue moment. Um, <laughs> with your your daily routine, your morning routine, are you, what time do you get to work and are you eating breakfast at home or are you sort of, sort of guy who gets to breakfast? Gets to work? Well, I have, it's, uh, I actually have like an actual routine now that I didn't a few months ago, but I started, um, I have not a great back. I don't know where you are on the mm, decrepitude of your I'm body. More, but. Ba- I have bad knees. I have AC- ACLs I've done, but the back is okay for now. Yeah, two old men talking about their <sighs> bodies falling. Oy always, always enticing uh, podcast fodder. So two forty-seven-year-old shirtless guys talking about yeah. <laughs> I'm forty-eight now. Yeah. I just turned forty-eight. Ah, makes so, you feel um, young. So I anyway because of my bad back and because also you know I'm looking at fifty. It's like it's like being on a tunnel on a train track and you see in the distance Ooh. this light and yep. this sound ding 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 like you're like it's coming I see it it's coming you're on the Acela and you see Philadelphia you're almost there so this is this is what happened so I was like I need to get in better shape and then first of all I was going to do one of these crazy diets where you, you your body goes into shock you oh, know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. and and no then. Good. I'm friends with an actor, Paul Rudd, who is exactly like us, exactly our age, uh, exactly our genetic makeup, and uh, he got shredded for Ant-Man. I enjoyed that movie. Yeah, not a bad movie, a really enjoyable movie, and it showed me, oh my God, look at what a 47-year-old Jewish middle-aged guy can look like. So he told me his diet and exercise routine, so I started doing it, and I have now... I'm now like devoted and obsessed with this routine and I've lost 12 pounds and I'm going to keep going. Can you, can you please share it? I'm I'm curious. So here it is. So, um, well, it, it mine's a little modified because I'm not actually going to try to be a superhero on air. So his, his would, he would get up and do 40 minutes of cardio before breakfast, but I don't do that. I do breakfast first. Um, but I do the same breakfast as he did, which is uh, a bowl, a small bowl of oatmeal, that's like a you know a good carb that you have mm-hmm. in the morning, and then some sort of protein. Any anything on the oatmeal to, to enliven it? Yeah, I mean you can. I actually, I mean oatmeal is, um, as I'm sure you know, um, it can be incredibly delicious. But most places do not know how to make oatmeal, mm-hmm. and like even if you go to like a, a fancy hotel and you're staying there and you order oatmeal for room service, they'll bring you like prison gruel. <laughs> I mean most people do not know how to do it, but there is yummy uh, oatmeal out there. I I do a lot of. Um, I do a thing called Think Thin, which is a brand that I get at Whole Foods, and it's just uh, it's uh, low calorie, low carb. Uh, I mean, not low carb, low bad carb, and good um, tasting. So I do that. It's small. A lot of the stuff is portion control. I do, um, and I do like two hard boiled eggs. Okay, sure. 
Um, then, uh, then I work out and I do 40 minutes of cardio and, and maybe some other stuff, strength training. And wait, wait, I, wait, 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 hold on. Cause I, I, I'm kind of as an old middle-aged Jewish guy, I'm into the workout thing now. When you say 40 minutes of cardio, what does that entail? Uh, 40 minutes of actual like interval training on, um, a, uh, an elliptical machine, but not, um, not like 20 minutes reading the New York times. And like, yeah. like by, by the end of it, I need to be sweating. I need my shirt needs to be wet. And what? then I have a protein shake. This is probably oh, yes. I have a, I have a, uh, I often I make it at home, just like protein powder, uh, banana, almond butter, mm. almond milk, and ice, or I do think then again, they have a great, they have some good tasting, low, lowish calorie, lowish carb, uh, high protein, um, protein shake. I have that like late morning. And then a lunch I have salad. And here's another place where people like lie to themselves where they like get a salad and they pile cheese on top of it <laughs> and croutons. So no, it's, it's a boring salad. It is like spinach, with some cranberries and uh, chicken, not fried, and then um, oil and vinegar dressing. Do you have like a four-pack now, or are you up to six-pack status? No, no, I'm just starting to – you can just start to see uh, the remnants of where (laughs) two-packs are. Two-pack tapper. Exactly. Uh, And then then another protein shake in the late afternoon and then a similar dinner. I'm not a particularly vain person, despite what people might think about people who are on TV, but – I am getting obsessed with my pants feeling loose on me. That is, that is, I, I'll admit. I've gotten to the point now where like, I'm naturally kind of tall and not whatever, but I, I, I ha- if, I, if I sit down to a proper dinner at a restaurant, I have to unbutton my pants. Like my pants are just too tight and I can't stop pretending that they're not too tight. I'm like, I can't breathe and sit down at the same time. It's a problem. I, I, I have been there, not in public, but I, been, I, I, but I have been there with the unbuttoning, like on an airplane or something, and I am not there anymore. Uh, and it's a it's a very good feeling. And I've also lessened my uh, alcohol intake quite a bit, mm. which is which is uh, also very very helpful. And I have to say, like the whole thing, um, I just feel so much better. My back feels better. I go to sleep easier. I wake up easier. It's everything everybody tells you it's going to be. Um, and I sound like, uh, you know, a convert to some, no, no, it's cool. I'm actually trying to like cut down. I'm, I'm not like, a, I've never been like a hard drinker, but I'm a consistent drinker. And the last two nights I'm like, you know what? I don't need a cocktail every single night I come home from work. And I've just been trying to sort of phase in a few more off nights and, you know, I'm like a pitcher. I don't, I can't be pitching, you know, four nights in no, a row. All the but time. that's where I was. I would come home every night and I would make myself, um, like a bourbon rocks or mm-hmm. I would make myself like a screwdriver and, and then I just like, why am I doing this? First of all, I would wake up with a headache. Second of all, I would like, I don't know about you, but I like at this age, I go right to the hangover. Oh, like, yeah. I don't even have, I don't even have the fun part. I just like, ow. <laughs> um, but then I stopped uh, drinking as much and it is, um, I still drink. I'm not yeah. like a, a teetotaler, but, but uh, I do a lot less and it's, it's a lot easier. And also I think, I think a lot of the calories that I had were coming from Booze. Yeah, it's and it's that, it's that kind of water weight. It's that kind of bloated sort of weight, yeah. you know. Um, all right, this couple few more things before we let you get back to your your day job. Um, this interview is pegged to our August issue. You, I imagine you probably have like a nice patio or something or a grill there in the backyard. If we, we do, we have we just moved and we have a backyard and we have a grill, a gas grill. All right, so let's say the tappers invited us over on a Sunday afternoon in, in August. What 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 do you have like a go to? Uh, grilling dish that you like to make or something or what's your routine? We do a, there's a lot of different stuff. Um, uh, we, we'll, we'll do steak. 
Uh, we'll do. We'll go to Whole Foods and get a, a really nice flank steak uh, oh. or a fillet. Will you, will you will you marinate those before you put them on the grill? Uh, yes, absolutely. Do you have a go-to marinade? My wife does that, but uh, she will do it, uh, and I'll grill it. I'm the griller, but um, but she she is definitely watching over my shoulder. So I'll, <laughs> I'll say that it's not like okay, have fun. I hope it comes out right. It's more like uh, there's a lot of supervision. There's a lot of adult supervision of me. Um, and we'll do chicken kebabs. Um, I think that's a good one. We'll, uh, there'll oh, yeah. be there'll be some hot dogs on there because. Uh, our kids love hot dogs and whatever. Let them have some hot dogs. Although they're starting to get into steak, I'll say that they're starting to appreciate steak. And we'll do burgers, and, and uh, so we'll have we'll have a nice grill option for you. What do you options. what do you what do you put on your burger? I am a uh, lettuce, tomato, mustard, ketchup, pickles kind of person. But no mayo. I do not put mayo. And let me also say one other thing that grill that my wife does, and she doesn't just do this on the grill outside. She does this at home all the time. She is she makes the best salmon that I've ever had in my life. Uh, mm. It is so good. And she also made tilapia one time. She grilled tilapia, and like after that, I would go and I'd order tilapia when we would eat out, and it was never as good as the tilapia <laughs> she made. Honey, it's just not as good as yours. Do you know what? No, but it's true. I'm telling Bon Appetit, so it's got to be true. Do you know the secret to her salmon or tilapia preparation? I don't. I haven't asked her because I don't want to. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to change it. I don't want to question to, it. I'm, we're going to get your wife on the line next. She, she's doing the next podcast. It's so good, and like uh, it's so. Parts of it are crispy. Parts of it are tender. I can't. I can't even tell you, but it's the best. Uh, she makes it at least once a week for us because she knows I love it so much. Before we get to the lightning round, quick question: You moderated the presidential debate back in September, and that one was in Miami, correct? I did one in, let's see, I did one in 15 in at the Reagan Library in Simi mm-hmm. Valley, California. That was September 15. And then one in March 16 March, in yeah. Miami. Where did you go after the debate was over? And that must be, you must have been pretty tense. That must have been like, oh my God, thank God that's over. There was a restaurant that was in the hotel where we were staying and the and Jeff Zucker, the uh, president of CNN had rented out the restaurant and w- had thrown a party, and they had amazing uh, appetizers. And it was like one of these; they were just like constantly shoveling wine and food in front of us. So it was a real great celebration. And, my, and Miami, as you know, is an incredible place to eat. I don't think that we probably got the taste of Miami that you get when you go <laughs> down there because uh, we were eating at a hotel restaurant. But it was not bad. Sure, but, but after doing a, a debate like that, is your adrenaline just like? spiked at that point? Are you like, man, I'm not going to bed for another five hours? Yes, absolutely. Your adrenaline flows. And, uh, you know, even after just doing an hour of my show, uh, like, so my show's on from four to five. So for me, from five to 5.30, people come into my office and tell me things and I'm worthless. I have no idea what is, what they're saying, what they're telling me, uh, because my, because I'm decompressing from an hour of being on television. A presidential debate is even more intense and obviously longer than an hour, usually an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. And so it is, yes, you're on a real adrenaline high. It's a weird feeling because it feels good, um, but at the same time, 
it's still like you're st- you still have nerves, you still have uh, anxiety and, and concern about how it went. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the same time, there's a, and there's also a relief. It's a real strange uh, feeling. I, I, I wouldn't compare it to somebody finishing an athletic event, uh, but it's got to be somehow similar. Yeah, it must take a while to come down. Uh, all right, so uh, we're going to do the lightning round, series of either-or questions, and we'll let you get back to work. All right, ready to do this? Okay, take? sounds great. All right, uh, Dr. J or Alan Iverson? Dr. J. Zahav or Vetri? Zahav, great restaurant. Love Zahav, and the guy is so nice. Mike Solomonoff, hell of a chef. Five Guys or Shake Shack? I guess Five Guys. I, you know, I, you don't want an editorial comment. You just want me. To- no, I do. I'll take. I'll take an editorial comment, of course. I, five Guys. I mean, I don't do it that much anymore, but yeah. when I did it, Five Guys. What's your go-to order at Five Guys? I mean, I'm, I'm just like a just give me the burger with I, the same thing I ordered before that I told you. About. Cheeseburger, fries. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, why the hell not? This is for more old guys like this. Um, Holland Oats or the Roots? I, <laughs> I know the cool answer yes. is the Roots, but I'm going to say Holland Oats. Yes. Rocky or Creed? Yeah, I thought Creed was good, but Rocky. Yeah, all right. TV on your iPad or TV on your TV? TV on my TV because we have, like, Apple TV and Netflix. and We have, like, everything. We have, like, the whole... Megillah on our TV, but I will say that I have um, Showtime and HBO, and I've watched a lot on my iPad, like while traveling, like watching, you know, catching up with the season of Billions or catching up on Game of Thrones or whatever, and like, it's pretty good, but TV. Yeah, I've got I've gotten more and more, like, I, what's nice about the TV, we have like a TV room in our house now, finally, after all these years, but it's nice, my son can be in there playing some Star Wars game, and I can be on the sofa with my headphones on watching Billions, and I'm like, this is all right, I'm, 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 I'm down with this. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, last question, Jake. Everyone, every every episode we ask this, butter or olive oil? I mean, probably in this new diet, olive oil. <laughs> I don't think you're getting any fat in this. You don't get butter or olive oil on the new diet, Jake. I'm sorry. I know. All right, Jake Tupac Tapper, thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rafa. Great talking thank you. to you. Bye-bye. Andy Baragani. I'm so happy to have some one-on-one with you, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's just back from like a long weekend in Fire Island. He's got his white T-shirt on. He's mm-hmm. like tan, but not too tan. Too tan. No, you're no. a real, you're a real sunscreen person. We've oh, talked about this. I mean, three, four times a day. And what number? Uh, sixty-five. What? Or fifty? Yeah, whatever. I, I feel can like get isn't highest. it true that over a certain number I it think, doesn't matter? I think after eighty, it doesn't matter. What? But um, no, no, multiple times a day, year round. It could be raining. It could be snowing. I'm always pronouncing. You're sunscreen. fanatic about it. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, looking good. Got a <laughs> nice you. glow. Thank the you. white t-shirt, always good. Um, we're going to talk about some not beef burgers. We I talk a lot it. about beef burgers at BA. Yes. We have smash burgers. Love. Shake Shack mm. style burgers. We don't really ever do a bar burger. We don't do a bar burger. We tried to do a turkey burger. <sighs> yeah, people were like yeah. mad. Then we did a pork burger. But we're you had a very big challenge, which was a salmon burger, which apparently is a thing. It definitely is a thing. I still don't think it was my idea. I think it was Amanda Shapiro's who's that are of healthy-ish. Um, I thought of doing like a salmon sandwich. Of right. Sort of like a filet fish Right. And then I it's like, why don't we do fish. a salmon burger? I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but these are challenge. the challenges, right? Yes. And, you know, kitchen. ideas come from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes our job to turn them into something that people will actually eat, eat and, and cook. Make, yeah. It's not just for the, you know intellectual exercise (laughs) of like figuring out what a salmon burger is but like how is a salmon burger different from a crab cake or is it Mm, i think well i guess this salmon burger is different in the sense that it's uh it doesn't have as many i think aromatics as a crab cake can have it doesn't have celery or fennel it doesn't use breadcrumbs. It's right. gluten-free. The and I patty. remember when you started, you were very adamant about not having too many fillers, yes. not using bread, and no eggs, right? No eggs. No yeah. eggs. And why did you – why were you – I understand the bread part because that can just make things mm-hmm. crumbly and mm-hmm. feel like it's cheating. But why Why did you want to do it so badly without the egg as a binder? Well, not just with the egg, but just like I didn't want it to be some kind of – weird burger that has all sorts of ingredients. I still wanted the salmon to kind of shine. And at the end of the day, if you're buying a good piece of salmon, Mm -hmm. granted you're like putting the food processor and kind of making this weird situation with it, I still (laughs) want it to be mostly just the fish. Right. uh, And seasoned and just use kind of some aromatics to kind of just amplify the flavor a little bit. So it's it's sort of macrobiotic. Yeah. Because it's got salmon no gluten. No gluten. All right. So what were the challenges in getting the texture? And you already mentioned the food processor mm-hmm. and just, you know, a warning to our listeners, like some of the following um, information may not be, I don't know, we might use a word like paste yeah. to describe <laughs> what happens with the salmon meat. So let's, because it's not ground meat and how is it different? How does it behave differently? And what were the challenges to get a good texture? So I d- knew that I needed something, some way to bind the salmon, um, and I didn't want to use egg. I didn't want to use flour. So I thought using the fish itself. So I took about a third of uh, third of a pound of the fish and just processed it in the food processor. So we're it- talking about you just bought a salmon fillet. fillet. Yeah, center and are cut. you looking for you're looking for center cut? So it's like a nice, not too fatty because it's towards the tail or into the belly will get kind of fatty. Um, Skinless. Skinless. And just whatever, the best quality you can afford, basically. Okay, so now you're taking a portion of that filet Mm -hmm. and putting it in the food processor. Mm -hmm. Cutting into like one-inch cubes and then putting in the food processor and then kind of letting it go until it's very, very smooth. So now it's sort of a puree. It's a puree, yeah. And it's raw. And it's raw. So now this is what you're talking about, using the fish to bind itself. So exactly. now you have this, like, salmon glue. Salmon glue. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. You have this, like, pasty thing that's going to hold the burger together. Okay. Um, it has, like, a very—it has a sticky quality to it. Right. And the first time I did it, I was really questioning myself. I was right. like, why? How could you be taking this beautiful piece of fish and just turn it into a paste? But um, And then you thought— this is pate. This is pate. This is what we do with uh, mm-hmm. any kind of a force meat. I also, I think that's what they do kind of, not with a food processor, but to make like fish cakes. Right. Like Southeast Asian, Vietnamese, Thai fish cakes. They 
just blitz the right. fish into a smooth texture. And it's kind of dumpling Yeah, dumpling right? Absolutely. And we did talk about kind of having a mix of textures. Like you don't want – you could have made that whole thing smooth yeah. or very finely chopped, but then it would be, you know, if just you, not – it's, it doesn't behave the way beef does, but you want something to kind of bite into. Yeah, you want something to bite into. It will not have the balance that, let's say, a beef patty has. But that's why you only puree a third of the fish. And the remaining you process until, uh, I guess you don't see any pieces bigger than um, about quarter of an inch, quarter to a half inch. Uh, just so there's some texture to the patty. Right. And then the, those two get combined. Those two get combined. And yeah. then there's another way, you know, we always say you never um, season the burger mixture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's, although sometimes I do and I kind of like that. But on the record for a BA burger, it's just the beef. The beef, yeah. But this was different also because you did add seasoning. I did, yeah. I added so seasoning. what's in there? Um, besides salt, I added scallion greens. I really tried to take the flavors of like a – a dumpling mm-hmm. that you'll see in like pork dumplings or shrimp dumplings. So scallion greens and uh, grated ginger. The garlic is not traditional. You don't really add that to dumplings, but I added the garlic just because I wanted kind of another aromatic uh, ingredient in it. And it's only one clove. And it's only one clove for yeah. four patties. Yeah, it's not, not going to kill you. No. And then mayonnaise. Honestly, I have to say this. It's one of my favorite ingredients. Mayonnaise. I used mayonnaise so much this past weekend, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And it's so not... In any Baragani ingredient. Really? But, well, I mean, like, people, I don't think people think, like, my food mayo right, right away, but I— But you are semi-famous for your aioli. Oh, yeah. Which is mayonnaise. Yes. But yes. it's homemade. Yes, it's homemade. You did not win the mayonnaise challenge. We not. had a Facebook— Carla likes her so long ago, but we had a Facebook Olympics, and one of the things that everybody had to do was make um, an aioli from scratch, and there was a time—there was a time challenge, but there was also—then they were also— ba- Judged on flavor, but Andy didn't make the time. Time. That was the first thing. You did win on flavor, though, and texture. Anyway, so mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. A magical ingredient. Yep. This is just store-bought mayonnaise. Uh, I believe it's thinned out with a little bit of rice vinegar Mm -hmm. and then seasoned with a good amount of salt. And it's only two tablespoons, just enough. I started off with a lot, I think like a third cup, and then I started going down to a quarter cup. And then I was like, you know what? It doesn't need that much mayonnaise. So it's flavoring. It's helping to hold it together. And it's probably also keeping it pretty moist. Yeah, pretty moist. Um, Okay. And now, does this burger go on the grill? It does not go on the grill. I did not test it on the grill. I just think it's, even with beef burgers, I do love a beef burger on a grill, but I think it's best when it's on a cast iron skillet. Yeah, it's a challenge to grill. And I would think these are delicate. So there was one other trick to this, which actually is really a good trick if you're doing this for a barbecue. They have to go in the fridge, right? They have to go in the fridge, yeah. And what's that about? Do You want them to chill. You want them to keep their shape. Um, And unlike, let's say... With a lot of other meats that we call for, like, come to room temperature, these don't need to be at room temperature. So you want them cold. You, you want to give them time to hang out. And if you go past that minimum amount of time of chilling them, is that – it's fine. No? It's – Oh, Andy's making a face. Fine. I, I think it's <laughs> good. It, you don't – you want it to chill it to hold its shape, but you don't want it to get too, too cold because then when you do put it in the pan, it might be cause for some uneven cooking. I see. Yeah. So you don't want to, yeah, you don't want it to be cold in the middle. And the other thing we didn't want, we didn't, or I didn't want, I remember at tasting saying like, I just, I don't want the whole thing to be well cooked 
salmon. Exactly. Like yeah. the flavor of well-cooked salmon starts to go to a place. Yeah, it takes me back to the 90s. Yeah. I'm just – and so getting that mix, you have a mix of textures now and like the outside is more cooked and kind of like the way you might order a salmon filet, like Mm. kind of medium rare, medium in the Mm -hmm. middle. Exactly. If you do like your salmon well cooked, just keep cooking it. Keep cooking it. Could you put the nonstick – so you also used a nonstick skillet. I did use a nonstick skillet. Which is also, I think, smart, and a lot of people do that. It's just like total insurance. But could you put your nonstick on your grill? No. No. No, no, no. I would not do that yet. Gets too hot. Gets too hot. This is an indoor burger. This is an indoor burger, yes. The one thing I did try to add, I was like, how am I going to create some kind of crust without using breadcrumbs or panko? And I thought, um, rice flour. Mm. And so rice flour is still very fine, but um, it doesn't absorb as quickly as AP flour, all-purpose flour. And um, I knew it would give it some kind of crust. Not a crunch, but a little bit of a bite. Yeah. So I just coat uh, the patties in rice flour. And then they go in the nonstick skillet. Mm -hmm. And talk about building the burger. So you have these sort of um, Asian-leaning flavoring ingredients. Mm -hmm. So then what— is this a lettuce and tomato situation, or what did you what did you want to do? I mean, do? once you make the patty, you could definitely do your lettuce and tomato situation. I definitely went a little bit more towards the Asian route since you have the scallion greens and ginger in, in, in the patties and the rice flour on the outside that it's shredged. Uh, I thought the mayonnaise could get a little bit of rice vinegar, and then I made some really simple pickles, cucumber pickles. They have a little bit of uh, – they're just salted, and then you squeeze any of the excess uh, liquid out, the water. And then toss that with uh, vinegar and sesame oil. Mm. Yeah. And then— Quick pickle. Quick pickle. Those were great. They stay Those really crunchy. Really, really crunchy. Um, and there were greens, too, There though. was Yeah, instead of leafy greens, like a lettuce situation or, or radicchio or something radicchio. on your burger. I would never do that. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> uh, bye. <laughs> um, Iceberg romaine. Uh, like, Iceberg. Radicchio. Yeah. <laughs> I've thought a lot about radicchio this weekend, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, I said, it wouldn't be bad, I guess. It'd be weird. Maybe if the radicchio was thinly sliced in a slaw that, that was put on a burger, but no, <laughs> I am not. I okay. That was a mistake. Um, <laughs> so instead of something really crazy like radicchio, you decided to use— Just a ton of tender uh, herbs, which— you know, at this point, it's fine if it's become a joke of, like, with me and herbs. It's like, I'm totally fine. I'm like, I love <laughs> herbs. I'm not—I'm the California boy. It's like, right. I always need herbs. And yeah, so, if it doesn't have cucumber and herbs in it, it's yeah, like, it's like it's, <laughs> why I'm, eat I'm it? my recipe. <laughs> uh, so the herbs are just—any uh, kind of tender herbs. I went with mint, cilantro— uh, and the scallion whites, the mm-hmm. Romanian scallion whites. We, if you can get green. any of those cool basils, that would oh, be nice. Oh, yeah. If you Thai get some Thai basil, basil would be nice. Great. Or the purple basil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It would be delicious. Opal basil. Yeah, opal yeah. basil. Or just regular basil. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that just gets seasoned, and that gets like a touch of rice vinegar, too. Um, you just got to be really thoughtful, I think, with any kind of burger to uh, take care of each element, not mm-hmm. just the the meat and the patty, mm-hmm. but like uh, all the all the... All the things. Really, for me, it was very much about the um, 
getting that texture of the patty, mm-hmm. the seasoning, right? But then that the crunchy stuff that also felt like very nicely dressed, mm-hmm. that was like key. Key. You need because a contrast. You need, you need that. And then they were also cold, like super cold and crunchy yeah. and kind of acidic. And like the, it really, it worked well. It worked. And we did a brioche bun? We did a brioche bun. I mean, I think like... I would have loved to do an onion onion bun, an onion roll. If you mm. could find a onion hamburger roll that that's delicious, mm. um, but onion we roll. went with the brio- brioche bun just because it's easy, it's yeah. squishy. Yeah, I think any um, soft roll. You just don't roll. want like a big ciabatta. It's going to no. have too sturdy of a crust. It's going to get yeah. all squeezed out all over the place. Well. You and your salmon burger have inspired me. <laughs> I mean, Julia and Andrew already have made it. What? Yeah, Julia loved it, and Andrew made it, and he loved it. So I was like, Andrew Knowlton? Yeah, Andrew Knowlton made my salmon burgers and texted me. He texts me not all the time, but he texts me on the when, weekends. What? That's when he's cooking. And I'm I get just that like, too. He's, yeah, dude. He's like, you don't have to have the recipe. I'm like, yeah, at the office. <laughs> Did you have to walk him through it? I shouldn't even say this. One time I came, I was not far from the office. I went to the office and I looked at the document and You're I sent it to him. You're a nice person. I, nice I hope person. he gave you a nice bottle of wine he has for no, that. I, no, he doesn't know. He doesn't know that I did that. Oh, well then he won't know when you just go take a bottle of wine out of his office either. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, they ate a lot of salmon at his house. Okay, so we've we've already had two staff members make this. Yep. Great. Yep. That's proof is in the pudding. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Emma Wurtzman and Carrie Polis and edited by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Grady's with additional music by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday. And if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.